Welcome to this episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, you already know or you will learn the lesson very quickly that people connect with stories. And it has been that way since the beginning of mankind. And today we have such a great guest with us, Kyle Gray from The Story Engine. And Kyle is an entrepreneur, a story strategist and author who helps coaches, startups, and influencers use storytelling to better communicate their unique value and create connection and trust with their audience. That is so huge. Kyle helps entrepreneurs use storytelling to attract their ideal audience and inspire them to take massive action. And it's all about the story. So today we're thinking big about our stories. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. Thinking Big Tribe, I want to welcome today a got a fantastic person that I've been able to get to know over the last, I'd say a little over a year since uh, since we got together uh, in, God, uh, where was it, Louisiana, in uh, New Orleans. New and Orleans, yes. yeah. So I want to welcome uh, Kyle Gray to the podcast, uh, fantastic person. And I've got to sit back and kind of watch some of your stuff over the past uh, year, year and a half since we, uh, since we met. And the stuff that you do really, really fascinates me. Primarily because I I think I'm so bad at it. This is this is probably one of the areas that I need more help in than anything, uh, and it's something that I never even when I first started getting into entrepreneurship. Even if you're God, even if you're in a corporate America, you're still selling. You're still selling yourself. You're still doing things, and not being able to do stories, tell stories about what I'm doing, you know, especially in entrepreneurship, sell, telling the story of, of me and telling the story of the, of the product. I was always the person that was just, I'm a computer nerd. It was always data. So if I went and did a talk or I went to sell with somebody, it was always just the data. Here's the data. Here's the data. Here's the data. Here's the data. And it does not work. <laughs> you, you know, one of, the, one of the things I've learned over the past couple of years is you have to do everything with story. We, we, live and thrive on story. And that's probably one of my biggest fallbacks is I've, and I, I have, you know, mentors that I work with and they always tell me, you've got to tell, you've got to put that into story and tell people about yourself, put your soul into it, put yourself into that story uh, or else it's not going to sell. And that's why I really wanted to get you on the podcast. So I know I've been rambling, but thank you so much for, for being on the podcast yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honor. And what you what you've just expressed is totally is totally normal and in fact um is somewhat common to see as experts and leaders progress in their career as they become more successful. This problem actually grows. There's like a a reverse correlation where telling your story can become harder. And one of the reasons that is, is you start to gather a lot of more experience, a lot more ideas, a lot more potential stories, and there become so many options and so many things to talk about that it becomes really difficult to decide which one you actually are going to talk about. 
um, or to you, you usually want to like, you know, express three things at the same time. And it ends up kind of like forming this traffic jam in your brain, trying to get from your brain to your mouth. And, and then, you know, you end up going in every kind of direction. Um, but, uh, and, and I also feel for you in the sense that, uh, I, I started on this journey as a copywriter, as a content marketer, all about very data-driven, very online, very bottom-line oriented. Um, and, and I think we, we really fixate that on that a lot as entrepreneurs. Um, but, and so we discount the value of a story because it's not, you know, bottom line directly pointing towards the results or, or something like that. And so we start to, uh, yeah, we it's it becomes difficult for us to really see the value and the purpose in the stories. And uh, also, what happens is, you know, when you don't know how to tell a story, you end up kind of uh, rambling a little bit here and there. And uh, you know, in the case where you have a possible ideal client in front of you, and you don't know how to tell a story, but you're trying to tell a story, do you start to see them like you're 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 in your story and you, you feel like what you're saying is exciting. And then you can tell across the way the other person is starting to like roll their eyes or, you know, you're like, you can tell you're starting to lose them. And so usually what people do is they double down and speak twice as fast and try to add in more details. And they just end up like digging themselves in a deeper hole. And so the good news for all of this is that, very simple frameworks exist to make telling stories a lot more easier, a lot more fun, and a lot more valuable for you. And these are these are the ways that I work with people. I, I apply these frameworks and I listen very carefully and help people formulate the stories and the words and the descriptions of what they do in, in the way that they've always wanted to and put them into these simple frameworks. And by working with me once or a couple of times, they not only get a good script to work with for a, a keynote speech or presentation, but they also can reuse these frameworks over and over again and start to apply them in many different areas of their business. So it's not just about finding one perfect story that's going to find all of your or fix all of your problems. It's about learning how to tell stories in a consistent, reliable way. And so, talking with mentors and talking with you know the people who you know copywriters and and other people that are in some of my mastermind groups, how I never realized it, but how important are the story parts of what we do, whether we're selling or we're just communicating with other people? Uh, how how important are the stories? Yeah. Um, so the long answer to this is that um, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, there's at least 10,000 other people who are offering the same thing you're offering, and they have better case studies. They do it cheaper. They, do, they, they have one advantage or another over you. And there's all, all the information out there already exists. And so what a customer needs, we, uh, customers are aware of this, and they, 
you know, they're they're having a hard time like telling the difference between you and the sea of other people as well. And what a story does, at least there's there's many different kinds of stories, but the specific story that we would use to solve this problem would do is create a human connection. Because knowledge is common and almost unlimited these days. You can get any kind of knowledge you want. No matter what you've got to teach, it's Google searchable. But wisdom and insight is not. And wisdom and insight is something a little bit deeper than knowledge. It's something that we can... Uh, it's, it's filtering the knowledge to provide the very best of, of what that is. And that comes from somebody who knows us and understands us. And so what we want to do in our stories is, is show people that we understand them. And I think this is one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make um, in the expert space is they try very early and very fast to get the audience to understand them. They use their expert language around whatever tools and techniques they use and start teaching that right away instead of really showing the audience, hey, I understand you and care about you. And so that's what a real good story does. And if you do not establish that foundation of trust when you're speaking with your clients, then it they they don't have the context to listen to you. This is like the first sale in that first five minutes of when you start to speak and you share your story, they are deciding whether or not they want to invest the next 40 minutes into listening to the rest of what you have to say or if they're going to be checking their emails on their phone as right. you're speaking. Yeah. Now, you know, you had mentioned that you kind of got into this uh, early on being a copywriter and doing copyright for, for things, which is basically writing, you know, writing, you know, stuff for, for people. I didn't know what copywriting was for a long time. I was like, what, what's copyright? I, yeah. So I didn't know what it was, but so I would assume that you have to also put your story into your copy, not just when we're out talking with people and we're, we're, you know, conversing with people, uh, on a vocal level, but I imagine from your website to your, uh, any things that you have out, anything that you have out there in the public, your, you know, your website, your landing pages, your, you know, all these different things that we would have copy on, uh, that it's just as important to have these stories tied into, to that content as well. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I love about the work that I do is I feel it's so very foundational to what, uh, what happens in all of your marketing processes. And so we start with creating a keynote speech, a keynote presentation that you can use in many different situations, and you can adapt those stories into your copywriting, your branding, your email marketing. And there, there are definitely like, you know, there's times and there's places for it. But really what a good story framework does is it shows us how it like presents a problem, describes the process for how to solve the problem, and then shows us what the world is like beyond that problem. It's a transformative process. And we want to walk people through that process in as easy a way as possible in our stories. 
And so by, yeah, creating and understanding the bigger stories that you would use in a presentation or just fundamentally in your business, it can inform all these other areas of, of copywriting and email marketing. And yeah, there, there's definitely a place for stories in this as well. It will make everything else easier. And I think that actually having these stories and understanding where you are is like something that's so fundamental to things like branding. And a lot of people, I think, just don't understand branding. They're like, oh, man, what colors should I choose for my logo? <laughs> and, and it's not really that important, you know? When it, but it's like, you know, you saw something happen to your father, you know, that, that was imprinted on you from a young age, and now you want to make sure that you know, you, you want to help other people become financially successful because of what you, the mistake that you saw your father make or something, this could be something, you know, that sticks with you much longer and creates a context for trust and connection way better than, you know, do I use the indigo blue or the ocean blue for my logo? <laughs> yeah. And you, you had mentioned about, uh, you know, discounting, kind of our own stories. And, and I think we all, I know for a fact that I do it, uh, I discount things that I've done thinking, oh, that's just, you know, everyone does that. It's, you know, it might be my expertise. It might be, but it's just, everyone's done that. It's not a big deal. And I don't normally like talking about those things. You know, I'm going through something right now that I would say when I was about 15, I was homeless on my own, uh, dropped out of ninth grade. And by the time I was uh, around 30, I'd built a multi-million dollar company that I sold. And all the people that I hang out with and, you know, the stuff that I'm doing about thinking big and all the stuff, they're like, you have to talk about that stuff. You have to, that is those types of stories. And it's, to me, it's like, I've discounted that. It's like, that's not something that I talk about. And it's like, I know all, all of our entrepreneurs that are listening that, that are on with us right now, they're going, I think they're going through the same thing where they've done things in their life that other people might think as, hey, that's something you should probably talk about or something you can use as stories. I mean, that's moving that we just don't. We're like, yeah. We think it's dumb. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think people, what are you afraid of people saying if you if you could really like uh, open that up? Like, oh no, they'll they'll think that since I had this rough childhood, they'll, they, they won't think I have my shit together or something. I, I honestly don't know. I've, I've, I mean, I talk about it now. It's not, but I don't use it as a marketing thing. I don't necessarily bring it up. And people are telling me, yeah, you got, you want to put this in your story. This is part of what, why thinking big, this is part of what you do. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I, think, I think part of it is, uh, you know, for a long time, I was ashamed that I didn't finish high school. I mean, I've since went and got back and got, you know, went and went and uh, got a degree in college and, you know, went back and did stuff. But I think for the longest time, I was just so, I don't know, I was ashamed that, you know, that, uh, that happened, but it's like, it just is. I mean, it's just, that's just what, it, what happened and it's not a big deal. And, and, uh, so yeah, I don't, so I have, and, and I know a lot of people listening have this problem too, that we don't know how, in other words, when I do talk about it, so I've, I've talked about that and I, I almost I hate talking about it because I feel like it's like bragging and it's like the purpose of it is by far not to brag of what I've done. It's like, if I've done this, I know anybody can do it. And I think a lot of the people listening have done things like that. We've all done amazing things that we think, well, I'm just, you know, I don't want to brag. I don't want to, you know, people might think I'm stupid people, you know, whatever it is, but really getting down and getting into these stories 
I think is uh, crucial for any entrepreneur. Yeah. And uh, another thing that happens is people don't want to dishonor their stories by sharing them for means of profit. Right. You know, it's like I'm manipulating my story. But really, I think it's like what you just shared there. It's like your duty to share it. It's, it's uh, you know, being authentic. But but it's so common, you know, so many people have, have these incredible things. And I go through these, the same kind of imposter syndrome and roadblocks with my own stories uh, as well. Even today, I don't think like, oh, I don't have anything that unique or that interesting to say, or my stories aren't that good. You know, nobody would want to hear them. And so it's amazing how common this is. And it's something that I find uh, sticks with you no matter what level of success you're you're at. But uh, the first step to moving through this is if you're if you're feeling these things that we've been discussing, then you're probably focused much more on yourself than you are on your audience right now. And so the first step is to really just once again think about your audience and how do I serve them and what do they need right now um, as as the place to get started um, in in moving through this problem because uh, when you can focus on being a service to your audience, then uh, these these kind of roadblocks are less of a thing. But uh, there's a big opportunity in here, um, and this is where uh, I work. I love to work with a lot of my my own private clients. Is I don't usually just start with creating a speech that we're going to give from the stage and and uh, make money with. I start with a process. I call copywriting for the soul, where we actually start to write out these stories and we write them out how your mind is interpreting them right now. And it may be, you know, a little bit uglier, a little bit not good enough, a little bit this and that. And we actually use a process of having it written out, reading it out loud. Sometimes I'll have people read it normally. Sometimes I'll have people read it extra slow. And when it gets really intense and they're really deep in their emotions, I, I have them like take big breaths and read something out loud, <laughs> breath and read it out loud. And if they're really, if, if they're really, really intense, then I make them read it, you know, read these stories that are getting them all emotionally built up in like a pirate voice and a British accent or, or my favorite, especially for the men. I, this is what happens when I get to this point with men. I'm like, okay, you have you have a few choices here, and you're just gonna you're gonna have to read this in a specific voice, um, and you get to choose. The first could be pirate, the second could be British accent, or only the bravest men, only the bravest men will do this. But you will read it in a crybaby voice, and instead of Instead of like taking a big breath and letting it out, they go, <laughs> and uh, I've had, I've had, you know, men 
two, three decades older than me with multiple seven figure businesses doing some crybaby voice with me on the phone. And what, why am I doing this crazy stuff? I'm not just a, a weird prankster. Um, it, it helps dislodge because these stories inside of us have been, have been like embedded in us in a certain way. And there's certain feelings and a certain flavor to them. Like you were describing with your own story of, of shame. And they've been in this context for so long and starting to break the pattern by reading it out loud in a funny voice, by, by really drawing out the emotions. We can, we can shake that story loose and then start to work with it in a different way and change how we see it and change the energy that we associate with it. And the idea is to turn it from something that's been a roadblock and a burden in your life into something that is exciting, that you're proud of, that's energizing, that's fueling for you. And if we can do that, even before we start telling stories for the stage, we have gotten to the point where you're going to show up differently on the stage. It's not going to be the words you use, it's going to be the energy you bring. And that in and of itself is very, very powerful. Man, I can, that will be, I can just visualize that, how powerful that is. Cause you're actually, uh, from an NLP standpoint, you're actually re-anchoring kind of where you are when you talk about that story. And that is, man, so that just clicked in my head. Uh, that is a great way to, to do that. Oh man, that is fantastic to be able to get out of your own way. Let me give you an example of this. So I run a group program called Story Pro. And uh, I have some one-on-one -on -one calls that happen in that, and people come on and get ready to write their speeches. And one, one time, this woman named Diane was on a call with me. It was early on in the group. And we were going to start writing an origin story together. And she gets on the call. She's stressed. She's like, Kyle, I'm stressed out right now. I'm like, what's going on, Diane? She's like, well, I'm working with these women and they have hormone issues and I'm, I'm helping them out. She's a health and wellness coach. That sounds great, Diane. Doesn't sound like a problem to me. What's going on? And she's like, but I'm having trouble with focus. I want to work with children and parents with ADHD. And I think that if I keep working with these women, then I'm not going to have enough energy to do this. And I'm just not sure. And, and I'm having trouble with focus. And I'm just realizing now that I have ADHD. And I'm looking back on my life and decades of dopamine-driven decisions that have led me in every direction. And I've just gone everywhere. And I keep thinking to myself, if my parents had only known, they could have done something. So this is not the attitude that you need to write a speech. We're not going to write something very successful from this emotional state. So I say, <laughs> I say, Diane, do you want to play a game? And I'm very lucky and very blessed that, uh, you know, people sign on for like the, the write the speech and make the money. And then all of a sudden I'm sneaking in the medicine in a way, but people are open for it. But here we go. So I'm like, okay, we're going to write out what you just said. 
If my parents had only known, they could have done something. I want you to read it, take a big breath, read it, take a big breath, read it, take a big breath. She does that. I'm like, how does that feel? It's like, not so good, not so fun. I'm like, great, we're do it. We're on the right track. Okay, we're gonna change out one word. If I had only known, I could have done something. Okay, a little bit better, still not good, but better. Nice, all right, we're on the right track. I know now I can do something. Mmm, getting closer, getting closer. And I ask her here, okay, well, so you want to work with parents of children with ADHD. What do you think their biggest objection is to working with someone like you? And she says, well, they don't want to put a, a label on their child. They don't want to, uh, yeah, have them go through all of that. And so what do they do? They ignore it. And what does that lead to? Decades of dopamine-driven decisions. So I say, okay, well then, like, what you've experienced is really important for these people to know. Like, your story is important. And she's like, yeah. And so we change it to, I know now. And that's why my message is so important. And we, that we started with this, the sentence, the phrase that was disempowering, that was heavy, that was blocking, and we played with it and turned it into empowering, exciting, aligned. Now she's ready to write a speech. And so I say, okay, Diane, tell me a story about somebody in your family that has experienced ADHD symptoms before. And she starts describing her grandchild and her grandchild, uh, a boy, is bouncing off the walls um, like, a, like an ADHD boy should. And then um, she sees the boy's father, which is her son, shouting at the boy, trying to calm him down. And they both end up frustrated and exasperated. And so she sees her grandson there and starts to wonder if he's ever going to get the care that he needs. And then, as she's, as she's looking at her grandson, she sees her own life and starts to reflect on decades of dopamine-driven decisions. And she thinks to herself, if my parents had only known, they could have done something. And so we took that line that at the beginning of this call was, was a dead weight holding her back, and it actually became the best line in this opening story to address on a deeply emotional level one of the biggest objections that the people that she worked with has. Not only does it address an objection, but we've made it so that she feels proud of who she is and how she's showing up in the world instead of ashamed that she's suffering from this condition. And that is this first step. That's what's possible with the copywriting for the soul. And that's how things become so much deeper when we, when we start from the identity and then build the speech. Right. I think that's probably one of the best examples I've ever heard on 
you know, uh, using your mess for your message. You hear you hear people talk about that in storytelling. You know, use your mess as your message. That is probably one of the best ways I've seen or I've heard it explained on actually taking that mess and taking that pain and taking that crap and actually turning it into a positive, uh, positive word and positive, uh, you know, copy, positive, you know, talking. That is probably one of the best ways I've I've heard it explained. That that is fantastic. That is wonderful. And I I love your so you know. One of my bucket list items, and I actually have it scheduled for this year, is to come out with my book. I am, I've got stuff done. Oh, God, it's so hard. I don't know how you've done it, too. It, oh, my Lord, is it hard. Uh, but I want to talk about uh, your, you know, your first book, The Story Engine. And that, to me, that, that is really geared towards entrepreneurs, and really, is is that more of a storytelling, or really more of a, or does it include like content, uh, content strategy, uh, things that entrepreneurs can use to move themselves forward in what I call a, a marketing, uh, you know, kind of a marketing type type book. Yeah, yeah, it's all about that book is primarily about content strategy. So, how do we build a strategy? for what we're the content that we're creating that we can consistently um, send this message and move people in the right direction. And this was a story. These are uh, a collection of techniques that I learned from my first entrepreneurial gig working with a startup called WP Curve. And I started working for the, the founder of this company, who was a prolific content marketer, absolutely brilliant creator. He could write 13 blog posts in a day and things like that. And I was certainly, though a talented young man I was, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't keep up with things like that. And uh, uh, my, my mentor was such... Uh, a prolific creator that he didn't really need to rely on systems to create at the level he did. And so I had to develop the systems in order to kind of maintain the quality and the production levels without um, and and reaching beyond my own writing abilities and my own creative abilities to hire and work with others and still be able to consistently achieve a, a certain level of quality. And so that, that book was all about my baptism by fire and learning how to work with writers, build systems, and create a consistent message around a story that could be... Um, that that could be scaled beyond one person, and so um, there's there's lots of storytelling in that. I was it was primarily written, you know, with with bloggers in mind, as I was doing a lot of written content back then. Um, and that book that book changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, it might have been the right place, the right time. I was really careful in studying what keywords I wanted to use in the description, in the title, and many different things. And um, yeah, it it was uh, very successful for the first two years it was out. It stayed in the top 10,000 on Amazon almost for two years. It was a bestseller for almost two years. And uh, 
and really provided a foundation for the brand that I draw on today, even though I'm not exactly the content. I mean, I'm still a content marketing expert. It's not really what I sell or I offer to my clients anymore, though. Um, I do work with clients to, you know, if, if we're not creating speeches, um, creating content is one of my, one of my favorite ways to, uh, yeah, help serve my clients. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so this this book created the the foundation for such growth and advancement in my in my career and I'm so I'm so grateful uh for the influence it's had on on me. Yeah. And I still think a lot of the stuff in that book is so needed. I think most entrepreneurs, uh myself included, thought or we were we were lulled into being an entrepreneur entrepreneur. And just thinking that oh, if we build something, if we build a course, or if we do something, uh, people are just going to come to us and they're just going to buy it and, and we're going to be successful. And I, I think without going through, like, for instance, I have a, my, my son-in-law, he's started this little company and he's has, a, you know, done this website and he, he's come to me. And he's like, well, nobody's coming to my website. No one's doing it. It's like, you've got to be able to go out and do this content strategy and you do these things. Uh, cause if we just build things, they're not just going to, uh, going to come and, 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 and do themselves. They're not going to build themselves. And you actually have a new book out. I, I think this is probably more in line with what you're doing now. Uh, as you grow in your, uh, as you grow as a person, as you grow in what you do is selling with story. And I think that's, that, and that's really where I came into what you were doing is more on the storytelling uh, side of things. And how long is that? Uh, how long has this uh, selling with story been out? Selling with story came out in 2019, uh, the summer of 2019. And uh, yeah, that book, um, it was it was also a labor of love. It took a lot longer to write. I kind of went back and forth um, over the course of a couple of years writing it. And uh, one of the things, it, it was honestly a little bit of a heartbreak of a book. And I'll tell you why. Um, <clears throat> so I had gone through the motions of getting it promoted. I had a good um, launch team ready to go for the book. Um, and it came out first few days made bestseller. Things were looking okay. Things were looking pretty good. And then, um, as, as will happen when you launch your book, uh, I imagine you'll go to the Amazon page for the book and, and refresh it every eight seconds, uh, waiting, waiting to see if your sales rank goes up or down, and see the new reviews come in. And so I was, I was doing my compulsive refreshing <laughs> a few days in, and uh, I, I saw the title of uh, of the book, and where it's supposed to say "Selling with Story" by Kyle Gray, it says Bluetooth headphones dot dot dot. And I become quite alarmed. I'm like, did I get stoned and like thought I was going shopping on Amazon and ended up changing my title of my book? Like, I don't think so. And I look into the back end of my of my book and see everything's in order there. I reach out to Amazon customer service and uh, they say, oh, yeah, we see this problem. 
give us four to five business days and we'll get it fixed. And I'm like, four to, four to five business days? That's a long time. But what choice do I have? And so I wait four to five business days. Nothing happens. Call them again. Help me. Four to five more business days. Don't worry. Oh, my God. And then so I go on Facebook and I'm like, my book has been hijacked. Amazon does not care that much. But maybe since you guys are customers, they'll listen to you. And so I like rallied a bunch of people to reach out to Amazon customer support to complain that this book's title was not being appropriately represented. Maybe 40 people reached out. Still nothing changed. And so it came to be, I, I, I had been thinking of, of a strategy in my head or, or uh, what it, like something that the, uh, some of the customer support had suggested that I called the 127 hours strategy, <laughs> which um, if you're not familiar with the book or the movie, there's a, there's a book where some Mountain West kid who looks a lot like me uh, goes into the wild on a hike and a big rock falls on him and crushes his arm and he ends up sitting there for three or four days waiting for help and, and realizes there's no help coming and so he has to cut off his his mangled arm with a pocket knife and, and get out to survive. And so that's, in, in a sense, what I had to do. I had to unpublish uh, the book and then republish it to fix the to fix the problem with the title because after like after about of a month of waiting for Amazon to fix things and I can't tell you how many emails I got from people saying <laughs> how stupid are you why is your book title this like are you dumb I'm like oh man I wish I could help you friends and it's always it's always funny the people who pay you the least amount of money are the loudest complainers. Your ninety nine cent book, wow! I'm like, oh man, oh aren't they? Uh, yeah. So I ended up having to take it down, which I lost all of the reviews. I lost the sales data for to, that gave me the momentum, and it just kind of had to start out again. And so. Uh, yeah, it was it was a bummer, and it emotionally impacted me, and I just didn't didn't have as much uh, enthusiasm to promote the book after after that had happened. Even though it's great quality content, good stuff in there, but uh, but yeah, a little bit of a botched Amazon launch. <laughs> what are you gonna do, Amazon? They kind of run it, so it's like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, I, I mean, the books, like my book is a drop in the ocean of the Amazon bookstore. And the Amazon bookstore is a drop in the ocean of the Amazon store. <laughs> and the Amazon store is now a drop in the ocean of this monstrosity that Amazon is. And so, yeah, it's like, there's not, it's like shouting at a giant. Yeah. There's, there. you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> can't do you can't do much well at least it's uh it's out and, and going i i st i actually want that book more than uh, uh more than anything because i again I, I i think story uh is really how we how we sell things and and coming from someone again i, I said it uh, you know earlier is i didn't think that way to begin with and it just 
it, it crushed me on stuff that I did and it just didn't work without, once I started using the story and how to use story a little bit, uh, things started to, to change for me. So I think that is uh, uh, still so, so relevant, especially to, to entrepreneurs. And you have, uh, now one of the things that you have is you have uh, Choosing Your Perfect Story. It's a mini course that anybody that's listening can go and take. What is, uh, what, what is that? Yeah. Well, I'll describe a little bit about the process of how to how to choose a story. And and this will this is something that I outline in this course. And so one of the one of the places that you want to start, that I always start with my clients in choosing a story, is we've got to think about their ideal clients and the problem that they have and how their experience their clients are experiencing the problem. And if we can really create a good picture of what that is and that looks like, then we can say, when did you feel like that to our clients? And, and this should conjure images and stories in your own life. And a lot of times people will say, I haven't thought of this story in years. I haven't, I haven't wanted to talk about this thing in such a long time. And that's one of the magic things about this is actually like, we got to think of our clients first. We've got to focus on the people we want to serve and that's how we will build our stories. And so that's the first part is I lay out a framework for how do we get in the mind of our client in a way that can help us conjure up these stories. And then um, once we have the stories kind of laid out on paper, we go through a simple framework called the three act play to help you turn this story into a concise, coherent, powerful story. And uh, the course, the, all of the content takes, you know, 45 minutes or less to, to get through. You, of course, you're going to have to like do some thinking on your own and some writing. You're not going to have a speech after 45 minutes of watching videos. But the content's very short, very concise, very powerful, and it solves one of the biggest problems that I see many of the people who come to me have, which is, I don't know which story to tell. I have too many stories to tell, or I don't have any stories to tell. And how do we get through that to really see, okay, this is the one that I can tell and I can use for this moment, this problem, this situation, and start to make some progress. Oh, that is, uh, that is so useful. And, and again, everyone that's listening right now, go up, uh, go in the show notes because I'm going to have a link uh, directly to that, uh, to that uh, mini course uh, from Kyle. Go up there and, and take the course. Spend four, I, I can tell you this, if you spend 45 minutes and you, you go through this, you will have a nugget of gold in your head from, from what you learn. You, you will learn something from going through this mini course. And that's, and that's the thing. I, you know, when, and from being a new entrepreneur, we have to be able to do these stories. And to me, we have to have multiple stories. We can't just have one story. We've got to have, you know, we've got to build a, for me at least, I think we have to build a story for every, uh, piece of thing that we do, every content we do. And it's almost like you, uh, what I'm doing, some of my courses, it's kind of what it's grown into is it's a story and teach, story and teach, story and teach, where I used to just do teach, 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 teach. Now I'm trying to, as much as I can, put in a story, teach. And and what's funny is I, if I go back and look at the stuff that I've learned, I have not learned 
anything from someone just spewing the teaching and the training and the data. I always remember how they tie it into a story. I mean, to me, that is how powerful a story is and, and why you need it. People, I, I, I will not remember something unless it's within a story. And I think that's just how we're geared. I, th I think that's part of our DNA. It's how we're geared. And that's why I like to work with solid frameworks instead of just, you know, this is kind of the, the teach a man to fish versus the give a man a fish. You know, if I work with somebody and help them write a script for a presentation and then give them this nicely prepared script and now they can go out and speak, that's all well and good and, and you'll make some money off this presentation. But if I can teach you the storytelling frameworks that are needed to craft a presentation and craft some of those with you and help you actually practice those, then you're going to end up with a speech just like just like the first time around but then you're also going to if you can understand these frameworks of how to tell a story when to tell a story how to make it concise how to drive the point home then you can start to ad lib and create new stories and continue to improvise like the people the people that i work with you know i love that they're using my speeches and oftentimes they they feel much more comfortable improvising on the stage and instead of getting trapped in like their knowledge holes like they used to they can use these storytelling frameworks to confidently um address the questions and what they need to what they want to teach um, in a way that's going to land just like how you described. And yeah. so having good frameworks to, to re, reuse this over and over again is definitely to teach a man to fish and will create more success in the long run than just, than just having one perfect story for this moment. Yeah, I can't wait to dig into uh, to uh, to dig into that. Uh, again, that's part of my goal and part of my uh, uh, really my bucket list for this year is to really start getting in doing this stuff and, and getting into stories. Now, those again, those listening, all this is going to be in the in the show notes. But if the second you're done with this podcast episode, I want you to go and go right to Kyle's podcast. There's going to be a link in the show notes for that as well. You have what, what I don't know. 20,000 episodes. I don't know. You've, you've got, you've been doing, <laughs> you've been doing this for a while. I think, I think we're nearing 200. Oh, that's um, it's been, it's been a little over three and a half years now. And how, how so what are you most looking forward to uh, in 2022? I am continuing to upgrade who I work with. And I found myself working with higher and higher level entrepreneurs um, and being able to influence their businesses and their lives um, through helping them tell better stories. And it is such an honor to work with people who are incredibly experienced, they're incredibly talented, they're incredibly um, gifted in what they are doing and they face these same challenges that we've been describing in one form or another in in their day-to-day -day lives you know somebody with multiple seven-figure businesses um was was chatting with me about wanting to do a retreat for other high-end entrepreneurs like him and he was ashamed because he's like well i don't live as much as freely as i want to and so I don't know if I can host this retreat. And uh, 
I'm, I'm just so amazed at that, again, this imposter syndrome and this thing can hold people back um, on so many different uh, levels. And the ability to help somebody, again, through the process of copywriting for the soul and really transforming their identity around their story and then creating more powerful stories. I really believe that uh, one of my roles on this earth is to help solve what I call the human resources crisis. We all know about the environmental resources crisis. This is climate change, and we can have whatever opinion we want on it, but we know it exists. And the human resources crisis is equally pervasive, but much more invisible. And this is things like, you know, what kind of world would it be if Einstein, you know, decided to keep working as a notary? if Malala decided to get off the bus when the Taliban asked her to, or any number of these kind of things. And I believe that there are geniuses and brilliant people out there that, are, uh, that we are missing out on. Yeah. And through the work that I do and the people that I impact, I want to empower more people to really connect with their own brilliance and their own source of power so that uh, we can resolve all of these challenges. We, we live in a really challenging time. And I believe that within all of us as a human species, that we have the, the solutions to these problems. Not just the, we have the, we have the ability to easily solve these problems if we can have people that are really tapped in to who they are. Right. Yep. I, oh man, I, I fully agree with that. And, uh, again, thank you. I want to thank you so much for, uh, for being on the thinking big podcast. I mean, it's been great to have you, have you here now. The last time I saw, you know, we, we met in, uh, in uh, new Orleans, but then the last time I saw you was in Phoenix. Oh, maybe on a couple months ago. And I'm telling you, you walked in, you were at this hangar party, you walked in and I thought Johnny Depp's here. He's got, you know, <laughs> from Pirates of the Caribbean, you've got your hat on. It's like, I didn't even, for you've, man, you've <laughs> grown your, your mustache out and you, <laughs> that looks like oh, Johnny yeah, Depp the over there. <laughs> the yeah. It's way long too. I'll show you. We're just getting out of control. <laughs> you know, but, we're but, all over the place now. But then again, that's what happens when, when you live in such a bad place like Hawaii. I mean, it's just, must, I know. must be terrible. Yeah. Must be terrible. Yeah, it's coming it? on. Coming on a year and a half here. Yeah, there's nowhere to cut hair. I've, I've looked all over the island. Nobody cuts hair. It's hopeless. Oh, well, again, thank you so much for uh, for being on the podcast. 